0: I'm Alan Hart, and this is Marketing Today. Today on the show, I've got Jeff Meisel, CMO of U.S. Census Bureau. The United States Census Bureau is the nation's authoritative source on demographic and economic data. The U.S. Census Bureau really helps communities, governments, businesses, and nonprofits become more effective through data insights. The Bureau creates over 130 data products that inform $400 billion in annual spending on federal, state, and local levels. Jeff's the CMO at the Census Bureau, and he left the private sector in 2014 after being selected as a White House Presidential Innovation Fellow to join the Census Bureau, and now serves as CMO, really trying to drive adoption from audiences that use the data and making it more accessible and a better user experience, as well as citizens like you and I every day that need to take the census, because without our participation, his value proposition falls apart. Well, Jeff, welcome to the show.
1: Hey, thanks for having me, Alan. Really looking forward to chatting today. Sure, sure. And I know you are the
0: CMO of the Census Bureau. And in the last few years, you've made a a shift from the commercial world um, to the government, federal government. And I want to just understand what was your path and, and how'd you make that shift?
1: Sure. Yeah. I, I would definitely not call that a traditional career move, but I started my career as a computer engineer. That's my background. And I worked for a tech firm in Austin, Texas called National Instruments, a great company, by the way. And there I did everything from applications engineering to product to sales, even some investor relations. And that experience really helped me cut my teeth on on how to be a technical marketer. Um, it was very much in the, in the B2B world. I had some incredible mentors and some managers that, that helped me to kind of find my way. And, and after spending a decade there, I had the opportunity to join the federal government as a White House Presidential Innovation Fellow. And it was around that time that healthcare.gov had launched, but it still had a number of, of issues because I think, frankly, the government isn't great at, at building product. And in the aftermath of that launch, the Obama administration really had a big recruiting push to bring in talent from, from Silicon Valley, from the private sector, and come in and help build technology at scale. And so I was part of the, the fellowship, I was I was in the third cohort, and the expectation was I would work a year in public service, and they put me at the U.S. Census Bureau and had, had an incredible time there, but after I finished, the team there wanted to bring me on board as their chief marketing officer, so I ended up staying on board with Census and have been there in total about two and a half years. Nice. So
0: why public service? Um, and. And also, I, I, a lot of the listeners, I'm sure, from the commercial world, you know, if, if somebody's listening and they're thinking about potentially making that shift, any tips or, or thoughts? So, so, again, why public service and then any tips for other people wanting to make that leap?
1: Sure. Maybe I'll share a story that really drove it home for me and, and how I got hooked, I guess. That So sounds about great. two years ago, I was, I was still brand new and And I was in Chicago at one of the startup spaces in the Merck where we were releasing a new SDK software development kit that we had built. and we had built this product to help citizens better access census data, and, and I can go into that more uh, in a moment, but but the room was full of about you know 120 plus engineers and data scientists, uh, civic techies. and I thought my session had gone reasonably well, but it wasn't until the very end. Um, when, when something happened, an audience member interrupted me to announce, really to the whole room, that he had just submitted a, a GitHub issue to the Census account. Because during this presentation, we, we took that opportunity to announce that we were on GitHub and we had just started our open source program. And the attendee was blown away because an employee at Census, not in the room, you know, back at headquarters, right. had, had instantaneously responded and answered the question. And the room broke into a round of applause and it was one of the most memorable (laughs) moments I've had, (laughs) you know, as a presenter, um, because I think it's just so indicative of how citizens, you know, have a thirst for a responsive government but, but maybe aren't always getting that. Um, you know, so, so for me, why public service, I think first it was a realization that the government by and for the people should really be delivering more compelling user experiences and more value to citizens. Um, uh, not not to say with with more resources necessarily but just just deliver best in class experience it's it's crazy to think i can get a cab from my phone in just a few minutes you know walk out of that cab without exchanging cash and be on my way to dinner or i can order a a detergent refill from amazon with an iot button next to my washer yet things like our taxes remain excruciatingly painful to deal with and if we want to go vote, maybe we have to take off work to just go to a voting booth and all those things. So, so that was kind of the first realization. Um, we just need to deliver better services from our government. And then the second thing was it's not going to fix itself. It's going to take the blood, sweat, and tears of people that are already in the federal government and, and doing great work. But it's also going to take new people who come out of school and decide that public service is just as cool as you know bootstrapping another photo sh- startup. That probably is not going to make it anyway. Right. So those, you know, <laughs> those are a couple of things that I think about and, and and really what motivate me.
0: Good, good. Well, any any thoughts about you know how how other people could make that jump like you did?
1: Yeah, there's a there's a couple ways. So if you're interested in looking at career opportunities, there's a website called USA Jobs where everything gets posted. But there's also a couple agencies in particular I'd encourage you to check out. One is called 18F. That was actually uh, spun out of the Presidential Innovation Fellows Program. And the other is called the U.S. Digital Service. So these teams are specifically looking for devs, data scientists, product folks, designers. um, And and you can come do a, a tour of duty, so to speak, and then go back to the private sector after. So that's a unique opportunity. And even on a smaller scale, keep in mind, you don't have to quit your job to do public service. You can join a local Code for America brigade. Uh, which are these groups that meet up, and they're located across the country, but they help folks apply their ninja skills uh, to improving their local government. So that would be one thing you can do without wow. even changing jobs.
0: Yeah, I didn't even know that existed. That's awesome. You've been recognized, I, I've read your background and your bio, you've been recognized in a number of different places for driving innovation in the government, um, you know, whether it was things like GitHub or other initiatives. I, I wondered if you could just give us a little rundown on what you've been up to.
1: Sure. One thing I love about census is it actually has uh, a really strong culture of innovation, and I I think that's what attracted me to it. But an interesting fact, so back in the 1880s, early machines were created that would help shape the computing industry, and these were invented by a guy named Herman Hollerith, who worked at census. So the problem was, in in the 1880s, they were projecting out how long it would take to actually do the census, and the country was growing, and it was going to be really hard to do. So he invented some early computing technology that allowed us to finish it in that 10 year period, uh, because otherwise the workload was too massive. And, and then later his technology would become, uh, some of the early foundational components for, for IBM. And so there's been kind of this history at Census in terms of working on really big problems at scale throughout, throughout the history, which is cool. But if you fast forward to today, um, you know, our challenges are, Um, you know, are very different, uh, but still quite compelling. Something that folks don't always realize, we don't just count the population, but we actually produce over 130 data products and we make those available as a public good. So much of the work from our statisticians and mathematicians, it informs key indicators that you hear about like our GDP. And then in addition to that, the data also informs how government spends, uh, spends taxpayer dollars. So over 400 billion um, in federal, state, and local spending is essentially informed by you know by the data the census puts out. So what what I was working on um, with my teammates is we were trying to take our data and make it easier to use in kind of this app economy and, and how folks want to get at the data today. You know, no longer is it good enough to just have it up there in a CSV or, or PDF. So in, in essence, what we built was a developer relations arm and an api strategy and so the story i referenced earlier about github you know we launched the first ever open source program at census we began co-creating products with the community Uh, we built uh, a product called the city sdk and and it was uh, it was brand new we had we had feedback where users would say hey you're not doing open source correctly Uh, you need to engage us better you need to hear hear uh, about us better and doing that out in the open was new for many folks in government but i think we learned a lot and and had had a great success with that and and now you know more recently with my role as cmo i look at the organization through a different lens which which i'm sure we're going to get at in a moment but all in all my work has been very customer centric and how can we the census bureau make our data easier to use for the public
0: Interesting. Yeah, we're definitely gonna get to that CMO role, but before we go there, I wanted to ask you know if there's any interesting like collaborations or examples of people using the things like the City SDK that you could just share. Like, how are people making use of the Census data today?
1: You bet. So a couple examples that are a continuation of our our API approach, and and where City SDK has led us to to consider even more value. The the first is a collaboration with Wikipedia, so census data is significantly underdeveloped on Wikipedia due to the manual editorial process, uh, which I'm sure you're aware of. So, yeah, yeah, you know, census powers a lot of the data and the statistics you find on Wikipedia, but it's a monumental task. There's over two hundred and twelve thousand links. There's fifty three thousand pages, and so these are you know, these are data points that you would find in the page for maybe the state of North Carolina or a city or a town. And and that data may not be the most up-to-date. So the problem is it's referencing a source and it's saying it's a U.S. Census Bureau, but maybe it's not the right survey data or maybe it's the most up-to-date. So what well, we're in the process of building is a bot that will take data from our API and then populate Wikidata, uh, which, is, which is the database um, underneath Wikipedia. And then that data can feed content pages with the authoritative source from us on the nation's people and economy. And so this helps content contributors uh, because they can do their job better. So, so that's, that's one example. In a little different vein, a second example is one that we announced at South by Southwest last month. And this is a bit more technical, uh, but but data scientists are really big into this. And it's still, it's still kind of in this world of, of linked data. But, but probably our most impactful data product is, is something we do each year called the American Community Survey. And this is really important because this helps small businesses, it helps nonprofits, it helps your city do economic development with demographic data, looking at trends, understanding commuting patterns and the like. But but this data set is as powerful as it is, it's not the easiest to use. So what came out of an NSF grant that a startup in Austin uh, worked on, the startup's called Data.world, and, and they did this in conjunction with, with UT is they essentially did research around how could they take the American Community Survey and apply a more of a semantic web approach. And so before what was happening is we would release data, it was in a CSV, and then then folks would have to go back and forth to a data dictionary and understand, okay, what does this column mean? Uh, What does this uh, value in this header mean, et cetera? And so the research took that data dictionary, which was only human-readable before, and, and has now made it available... Uh, you know, readable by machines. So what that means is if you're a data scientist in a company, so maybe you're doing, um, you know, research in the housing industry or maybe you're at a nonprofit, you can actually get access to to census data in the tools that you're used to using, R and Python and and Tableau and the like, and really getting insights much, much quicker versus taking days or or even a week to kind of get up and and going with what does a data dictionary mean and, and things like that. So it's really just a way that we're trying to help the folks that need the data get to it uh, quicker.
0: That's awesome. That's awesome. So, uh, you know, transitioning a little bit to your new, your CMO role, um, you know, how are you, how are you driving, you know, internal talent and culture at the Bureau? And, and, you know, what are you, what are you doing around those things? I mean, that has to be key to what you're doing.
1: It definitely is. I I think it is for, uh, for every CMO that I talk to, but it's, Talent and and culture has been something I've been quite passionate about my my whole career, but I would say today I'm spending upwards of 30% of my time on talent, and that includes both upskilling my staff, it also includes recruiting. For example, I worked, uh, real close with our senior leadership at Census to recruit our, our chief innovation officer recently, uh, and another, and, and other key folks of our, of our leadership team. One thing I'm, I'm really excited about this year, which is new, is in close collaboration with Harvard, we've just announced the first ever Civic Digital Fellowship. So this is an opportunity for undergrad and grad students to do an internship with the federal government and be part of a cohort, work on exciting projects, so we match Agencies that have, you know, have interesting data problems with students that are that want to do public service, and so, you know, a special shout out to the student leaders at Harvard and and, and a group called Coding a Forward who who really drove this. This was student led. Wow. Uh, you know, Neil and Athena and Chris were were the folks that did this, but but ultimately they approached me and said, hey, there's this pent up demand for students that want to do public service. They want to work on interesting civic tech problems, and there's not re- really a vehicle to do that. And, you know, we just, all we really did was just listen and, and make ourselves available to, to uncover that opportunity. And so now we're, we're standing up that, that program for the first time. Uh, we're trying to make it cross government, inviting other folks to participate. And um, so that's something that's, um, I'm really jazzed about from a talent perspective uh, at the moment.
0: That's great. I mean, it's such a great talent pool at Harvard and it was student led. That's amazing. It's amazing. So there's so much rich data that you collect, and you talked a little bit about, you know, making it more accessible, um, you know, to, because it, it is daunting. I mean, if you go to the census website, I mean, you could get lost for days, I think, just with all of the, the depth that's there. Um, how do you think about growing your audience and, and user base of the data, um, you know, in the marketing world, we talk about customer experience um, and things like that? How are you doing that, and, and what are you learning as you're as you're trying to make things more accessible?
1: Well, first, you're you're exactly right. It, it is a bit daunting, and the scale is just massive. But I like to think of it of what we do in two buckets. There's the collection side of, of how we engage the public uh, for participation, and then there's the data outreach and dissemination side of some of the things that I talked about, making our data easier to use. Uh, but, but a couple data points, so the census is the largest thing the government does just operationally. In, in 2010, it cost, uh, I believe, $13 billion, 2020 will be quite large as well, although we don't have uh, specifics because we're, uh, we're refactoring our budget, um, as, as each agency is doing as well. But in 2010, 72% of households returned the census by mail. Okay, and so that's amazing. It's 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 crazy because we're we're still in this model where we send the census to your uh, to your physical address and everything uh, operationally works downstream of that. But the opportunity for 2020 is now that we're going digital, this will be the first time you can take the census um, on online in terms of our primary channel. Uh, we we've done that for a few smaller surveys in the past, but but this is really the first ever digital census. How can we improve participation on on the on the collection side? So that that's kind of one piece. In in my role specifically, I look at a, a pretty broad set of capabilities. So I have um, one of our call centers where we get questions, um, you know, on uh, is this is this survey is this for real? Is this really from the Census Bureau? To how do I use this data? And I also have training and data dissemination programs, as well as marketing operations, um, like our CRM and, and automation infrastructure, just to name a few of, uh, of the components that, that I'm looking at. But, but at the end of the day, what I'm trying to get my team to focus on is, is how do we deliver increased value to the citizens through every single interaction? And you know, for citizens that are coming to us proactively, that visit our website, that use our data, how can we do better audience capture? Because ultimately, we'd like to mobilize those users, so they can help us improve participation, and and if we do that, improve participation helps our bottom line, and ultimately, that saves the taxpayer dollars. And so that's really what I'm focused on.
0: <laughs> it's really it, you're really trying to build a volunteer army, so to speak.
1: You bet. Yeah. Exactly. Yeah. yeah. Um,
0: that's amazing. So you know, you you talked about this already, and you, and. I think it was the last census you said it was like seventy two percent participation rate. Um, but your value proposition of the entire census depends on getting those everyday people, everyday citizens to fill out that survey um, you know you you mentioned this is going to be the fir- the next one is going to be the first digital census tell Tell us a little bit about that and and what's driving those the thinking behind that.
1: You bet so you know from a customer acquisition perspective. The 72 percent number um, is, is indicative of folks who who return the form in the mail, and so we still have to. It's still our job to count every single household exactly once um, and and only once. And so the delta between 72 percent and a full count means we still have to go door to door with with our enumeration process to to do best effort to really count the entire uh, the the entire nation. And so you know what, what this means going digital is it's a completely new paradigm. So we're gonna be delivering a customer experience that will still send a, a component in the mail and, and activate in that manner. Um, but then but then the, the fulfillment will be online. And so that experience is brand new and if we can do a better job of of kind of activating that, that's where we'll see you know see a big cost savings there. In addition, we're doing a lot of other Innovative things to lower the cost. So one thing that we do is uh, in-office addressing. So for many years, we have uh, you know truly the best geographers in the country working at Census, and they help us um, understand uh, you know different different boundaries, state, city, city, and, and local. They help us understand geographic features, and, and then really they under help us understand the the um, the national uh, you know the a- national address database, and so that. Essentially is where we start when we do the census now to augment those geographers we have an in office addressing initiative which allows us to do do change detection looking at satellite images to understand okay there's a new apartment complex here or there's there's some some movement here that this building no longer exists, and then we can go do a check with our geographers in the field to make sure that our um, you know our our routing and our, our kind of mobilization of our field operations is as efficient as possible to do follow-up for folks who don't participate, and so th- there's a number of things that we're doing, um, you know, through innovative approaches to help us lower the cost uh, for taxpayers. It's quite exciting.
0: I love how the you know the innovation that you're driving is is not only helping citizens, it's helping lower the cost, it's helping drive more value. Uh, congrats on your your efforts and the census overall. I mean, it's amazing what you guys are doing. Hey, thanks a lot. Well, so I wanted to step back a little bit and talk a little bit about you, and uh, you know what drives you. What you know, why do you wake up and do this every day?
1: I love I love that question. What What fuels me personally is is being part of a good team, that is that is mission aligned and working towards the greater good. So I want I want to share an anecdote. This is from my daughter who is in uh, in in high school track, but. But it just really hit home the importance of of teamwork and collaboration for me recently. She participated in a a track event. Uh, She competed. She she didn't win. Um, She noticed a a competitor who took first place and she was like, wow, this this girl is amazing. Uh, They they do triple jump. And and after the the competition, the other girl came up to her and said, hey, you know, tapped her on the shoulder and said, you know, you did a really good job. And I just wanted to to say I I love your form. Um, I really appreciated you know being able to do this with you and it was just such an incredible display of sportsmanship and even though they weren't from the same school they ended up you know chatting each other for 10 minutes they probably exchanged um, you know social media information as kids do these days and you know gave each other a hug and then were, and said hey I can't wait to see you at district and I think this idea of being part of a team and a greater community is something that's so important to me um, whether that's you know in my uh, you know in my organization that I work for or part of my local community so that's 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 a key thing that drives me i think on an individual level i get a lot of satisfaction out of seeing uh the folks that, that i work with seeing them develop playing playing a small role uh in helping them be successful and helping them with their careers and then i also just like working on big problems that's that's what attracted me to census in the first place was the scale of what we're trying to do and and how important it is to our country
0: so jeff you know a different question than I've asked other folks before is again kind of reflecting on your personal experience. You know, if if there was an experience in your past that defines or makes up who you are today, would you mind sharing that? And I hope it's not too personal, but I really like to try to understand the people that I'm interviewing.
1: No, I, I appreciate I appreciate that question, and that's something that I I certainly value. in when I'm chatting with other folks that I work with, and you know, for me, I think one of the most impressionable experiences was uh, growing up in rural America. You know, my family is, uh, you know, farming and ranching yeah. and it's, um, and they're on the Western frontier in, in Southwest Kansas. And, and it's a pretty tough, you know, way to, uh, you know, rub two nickels together and, and scratch scratch out a way of life for, for many folks in those parts. And for me, I think that really instilled the importance of community, and even though you know I'm not back home, so to speak, I've had different career experiences that have taken me in different places. I always gravitate towards being being part of a company culture that I can really get behind, a mission um, that I can really get behind, and and, be, and surrounding myself with people that I want to show up to work every day and and do my best for. So. Yeah, that's. I, I think that's something that um, I really value. Kind of my upbringing in in that uh, that part of the country. Well, thank you for sharing that. That's
0: great. That's great. And you're building those communities in in your in your new roles as well. So it's it's definitely a part of who you are. That's for sure. You bet. So transitioning a little bit back to marketing, you know, but still focusing on you, um, you know, what brands or companies or causes do you think others are you following, or do you think others should be taking notice of these days?
1: Sure. So, well, I got to go with the USA brand. You know, I want people to take notice that uh, <laughs> there's there's cool opportunities to do public service that that maybe you haven't haven't thought about, and and we need you. So, so that that's number one. Also you know in terms of of what i like to do outside of work i'm kind of a foodie i love being outdoors so it's been pretty pretty fun to watch some smaller companies come up uh, you know i think it's interesting to see how newer brands scale whether it's a company we have in austin called called yeti you know, I didn't realize that uh I needed my beer to stay cold for 5 straight days in a cooler. <laughs> uh, but uh you know, or like there's some some really interesting IoT devices now, it, you know, if you're if you're learning how to sous vide a steak or what have you. So, I I really as a marketer, I enjoy looking at how some of these organizations um are are building a brand, you know, essentially from the ground up. I think that's just really cool. That's awesome. That's awesome.
0: Maybe there's a, I've had Lisa Baird from Team USA, the U.S. Olympic Committee. Maybe there's a, an opportunity for you two to collaborate on this whole Team USA thing. <laughs> I like I that. Like, I like that. I like how you're thinking. So last question, um, you know, what do you, what do you think the future of marketing holds? What do you think it's going to look like?
1: Well, I think like in any field, marketers, we're going to have to innovate to stay relevant, You know, in in five years or or perhaps even less than that, we're not going to have teams of people anymore doing, you know, A-B testing in in a rather manual way. It's going to be more predictive um, in how we understand our audience and how we deliver value to our audience. You know, we hear constantly about big data and AI and, uh, you know, machine learning and, and automation. All those things are transforming our world. But I think as marketers, you know, really what we're doing is, you know, we're helping leveling the playing field. And going back to some of those brands that I mentioned, some of the smaller companies, I think what it means is smaller brands, it's kind of democratizing the landscape. I think smaller brands are going to be able to compete with bigger brands. And I think for the first time in my lifetime, or at least since I've been perceptive to it, I'm seeing these upstarts that are causing major, major disruptions through software and the ability to build an audience uh, like they've, they've never been able to. So, you know, hmm. I would I would just say and, and encourage folks to, to think about how to harness the technology while at the same time remembering there's never substitution for for truly getting to know your customer, striving to deliver the best product, service, or, or experience uh, that, that you can.
0: Oh, yeah. It's a wake-up call for those big brands, for sure. Definitely. Well, thank you so much for coming on the show today. I, I'd learned a ton about what the census is all about. So thank you.
1: Hey, thanks for having me, Alan. really enjoyed our conversation. <music> marketing today is brought to you by atomic atomic
0: focuses on unleashing the growth potential for clients we serve atomic is a strategic consultancy specializing in business marketing brand and innovation our singular goal is to help you accelerate your efforts with the right mix of expertise analysis and creativity check us out at atomic.com a-t-o-m-c-k.com hi it's alan again marketing today was created and produced by me with project management by sarah williams audio production by aaron campbell writing and editing by kevin greeley social media support by megan woods art and graphic design by sarah dell if you're new to marketing today please feel free to write us a review on itunes or your favorite listening platform don't forget to subscribe and tell your friends and colleagues about the show we love to hear from listeners at info at Atomic, A-T-O-M-C-K, dot com. I'm Alan Hart, and this is Marketing Today. On Formative, middle school kids from New York City public schools interview a phenomenal collection of grown-ups. Me, like, I don't know what I want to do. You don't have to have all the answers. I feel like a lot of
1: people's favorite topics are, like, interest in their life. That is a really good answer.
0: The podcast where the leaders of today are interviewed by leaders of tomorrow. Listen now at newyorkedge.org formative or wherever you get your podcasts.